Welcome to Britcham Cambodia and the UK Department for International Trade's podcast series, Doing Business in Cambodia. Hi everyone, my name is Jane Wilding. I'm the Executive Director of Britcham Cambodia and I'll be the host for today's podcast. We're thrilled today to be exploring the topics of recruitment, workforce and how work has changed here in Cambodia. Joining me today is one of the top talent acquisition experts, Kevin Britton. He's also the managing director of Top Recruitment Cambodia. So thank you very much, Kevin, for joining us today and for taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, Before we delve into today's topic, perhaps you could introduce yourself briefly to our audience and a little bit about your company. Thank you, Jane. Um, Yes, I'm the owner, managing director of Top Recruitment Cambodia. I've lived in uh, Phnom Penh for 15 years now, um, and I launched uh, Top Recruitment in 15 years ago. Um, before I came to Cambodia, I was actually in Brunei for 17 years, uh, where I mostly worked for the Brunei government in education and training. Um, Top Recruitment is uh, what we call a generalist agency. Um, meaning we work across sectors, everything from agribusiness, garment, manufacturing, um, banking, financial services. Um, we also do staffing services for companies that need extra headcount. Um, and most of our clients are foreign-owned, foreign-managed companies, um, and we have lots of international partnerships. Uh, like I said, we work across sectors. We also work across functions. About 60% of the placements we make have either got sales, marketing, or business development in the job title. Um, The other 40% are mostly managerial, back office operations, finance, accounts, all the usual stuff. Top recruitment carries out search and selection. Basically, we started $500 gross basic salary a month, positions from that up, um, I'd say below that we don't really work uh, because that's the bar The bar for a graduate with two, three years experience starting out in their career. Um, and of course we work up to C-level country managers who in Cambodia are earning something like generally like eight to 10,000 a year. Fantastic. I think there's a lot of information there that um, potentially our listeners weren't aware of. Uh, Quite a broad range of expertise in Cambodia and quite a broad range of needs, certainly, from the workforce. But you've been here for quite some time and I can imagine you've seen a lot of change in the recruitment sector in Cambodia. Perhaps you could share with our audience some of those key changes? Yes, Jane. Um, (laughs) Over the years, I've seen a lot of changes. This market has changed so much in 15 years. Um, In 2006, at the beginning of uh, my time here, um, there was a lot of lack of understanding of what a recruitment agency actually does. Um, So very often we had to explain what we did, how we did it. Um, So I, I see a lot more awareness of how a recruitment agency works. A lot of people are more comfortable, more familiar with uh, the the sector. Um, And although, you know, today a lot of companies still rely on 
hiring through their personal networks. More local companies uh, seem to understand the risks of that now. Um, the risk of hiring a friend who then brings his relatives into your company. So inside your company, you've got a network set up that you don't really control. Um, professionalization, I think, of the Cambodia market is, is a feature of across sectors. Um, but honestly, the other big sector, the other big um, change I've seen is that in 2006, there wasn't really an understanding of paying for service. Um, people understood how to pay for products, but they didn't really know why they would pay for services. Um, things like insurance or um, building management, for example. Recruitment agencies went in along with that kind of thing. Um, now there's a deeper understanding of uh, outsourcing risk, um, outsourcing non-core activities. So the market has become much more modern, much more progressive in the last 15 years. Um, it's obviously been a very challenging time worldwide and in Cambodia over the last few years, given uh, the pandemic that we're finding ourselves in. As a talent acquisition expert, what do you think the challenges are facing your clients in recruitment and selection? Well, it's very common for people to say, oh, Cambodia is a very challenging market, uh, very challenging in terms of HR. Um, I think what they're usually talking about is uh, skills shortages. Um, the skills shortages, which are structural um, because of a, a fundamental shortage of technical and vocational training opportunities, which leads to there being a, a severe shortage of technically and vocationally trained Cambodians. Um, so there are hotspots in the market where those skills are lacking. Um, another challenge that most employers face is, uh, is that Cambodian candidates are pretty cautious. Um, Cambodians want job security. Many of them have uh, experienced negative management styles. Um, so when they change jobs, they're very interested in the company culture of the company that they're moving to. Um, however, that challenge can be addressed if you have a positive company culture, uh, if you've got a reputation as a good employer, if you offer career development, uh, learning and growth to your staff, um, at a basic level, if you pay market salaries and follow Cambodia labor law, all of these things build your employer brand. And that is actually overcoming uh, the, the challenge the challenge in the market. That was fascinating, Kevin. Thank you. And um, what I'm guessing is that in the current pandemic situation that we're in, some of those challenges are even more exacerbated. Uh, yes. Basically, we saw two dips in business. One ran from March to May in uh, 2020, and the second one about March to May in 2021. But each, each of those dips of... Um, We've recovered from each of those dips. Um, I'd say the challenges caused by COVID, they were just that everything I'd, I've already said, the cautious uh, employers, cautious employees, um, meant that people didn't want to change jobs. 
Um, Cambodian candidates were unwilling to take on more risk. And obviously employers, uh, while they were putting staff on short time, um, were not thinking about hiring new staff. So they put hiring on hold. But I think we've climbed out of both of those dips now. You know, it's good news indeed for the market, isn't it? What I think might be very interesting for our uh, listeners is that Cambodia has one of the lowest unemployment rates in Southeast Asia. I think that is quite surprising if you don't know the market very well. Um, obviously giving us one of the highest labour force participation rates. Could you tell us a bit more about that Cambodian workforce? Sure. Um, I look at it from two sides, one the hard skills side and one the soft skills side. On the hard skills side, um, like I said, we've got a training shortage for technical uh, positions. Um, employers have to counter that by upping their on-the-job training. Um, so skills have to be learned on the job in many, many cases. The hard skills of, say, accountancy, yeah, we've got plenty of that. But when you come around to engineering skills, that's what we'd say is a very severe hard skills shortage area, uh, with the possible exception of IT skills. Um, and that is very, very fast moving, that, that part of the market. There is an upside, though. Um, I would say that Cambodian candidates' soft skills are strong. Uh, when you talk to Cambodians and see Cambodians in the workplace, uh, you can see relationship building, teamwork, leadership. These are all very strong here. Um, so looking at the skills issue, uh, we can see... If I look at blue-collar workers, for example, um, my experience dealing with blue-collar workers was mostly to do with um, logistics projects. Um, we had to train the staff that we were bringing in from the province. We had to train them on what a job was. We had to turn them from farmers into logistics warehouse uh, workers, for example. So we were starting at a low level and we were putting in a lot of resources to actually turn them into productive uh, logistics warehouse workers. As a garment factory does exactly the same thing, uh, turning uh, female uh, workers from the province, from the rural areas, turning them into machinists. Um, while I'm talking about uh, the garment sector, uh, we've got a, in 2022, uh, we've got a minimum wage of 194 US dollars a month for a basic uh, 48 hour week. Uh, that applies in the garment footwear sector, but it does have major knock-on effects into all the uh, other sectors. Um, but $194 does not include overtime and piecework. Um, so actually today, our blue-collar workers in, in Cambodia are taking home something like 300 uh, 300 US dollars a month would be a normal wage for uh, including overtime and bonuses. That's the bottom end of the market. We can say the blue collar end. If we look at mid-levels, um, we define the mid-levels as being uh, 500 US dollars a month through to about 2000 US dollars a month. And for that, we would say we're talking about graduates, English speaking graduates, um, with experience and obviously the higher rates of the higher people, people with higher levels of experience. 
Um, employers find, yeah, my experience is these people are very motivated. Um, it's, a, it's a theme of the country, certainly a theme of Phnom Penh. There is an aspirational middle class. These people are career focused. They want to move from semi-skilled to supervisory, from supervisory to managerial. So you, you end up with a motivated uh, group of people working for you. Um, it's surprising your staff, you discover, are all taking second degrees in management in the evenings. Um, so that's the middle of the market. Um, and when we move above 2,000 US dollars a month salary, we're talking about senior levels. And there, those same attitudes get even stronger. Um, those people are career focused, very careful about moving employers, uh, do not want to damage their career. They want to develop their career. Um, they take sector specific choices when they look at changing jobs. So it's it's very common for me to meet a Cambodian senior who will say to me, my goal is to be country manager for a major international company. And he or she has worked through their career uh, to get that goal. So following on from some of that interesting insight into the Cambodian workforce, what workforce developments do you think we should be focusing on? Well, first of all, the main feature of the Cambodia education and training sector is that it's market-driven. Um, it's largely in the hands of the private sector. Uh, private universities dominate, um, which is a good thing because that means that solutions, changes can be applied quite quickly and quite effectively. Um, I look at developments in two ways, horizontal developments, which I think we're already starting to see um, applying across the country. Um, things like a, a skills-based approach to education and training, uh, focus on STEM as the best preparation for the world of work. Uh, so there are hor horizontal initiatives already starting up and rolling out. Um, a vertical initiative, I think that we really need to see. I would love to see a tertiary training institute uh, generating engineering and technology-based graduates who are skilled or have been doing training in line with the needs of the private sector. Um, obviously, this is partnership with the private sector. And I think that sector, the tertiary training needs support, donor support. Uh, I don't know, that's not my specialist area, but uh, I see every day a shortage of uh, technical trained engineers, any job with engineering in the title that comes into our recruitment agency, we know we're going to have a problem with. Uh, so addressing that essential problem, I think, is the development that the whole of the private sector would like to see. And certainly with the huge growth in construction, building projects, infrastructure projects and so on, the demand for those skills is not going to abate. In fact, it's probably going to increase as we're going forward. We're seeing an awful lot of development in Phnom Penh and in some of the satellite cities. Yes. I mean, in fact, we would say there are two, the two hottest areas of the uh, recruitment market at the moment 
are, uh, on the one hand, construction professionals, uh, caused by the construction boom that's going on. Um, and I can't see that abating. I think construction professionals will remain a hot area into the future. And the other uh, sector, which we also treat as very hot, there's a huge demand for, is IT-related. Um, IT-related skills based on the need for modernization that's going on rapidly. Um, looking at things like mobile and online services, which are rapidly expanding. And as I mentioned before, this aspirational middle class, um, yes, there's a construction boom going on and they're, they're buying homes and uh, condominiums, but of course that drives demand for uh, consumer goods, home appliances, furnishings, lifestyle goods, um, cars, insurance, so all of those areas are uh, just signs of the, the economy developing and they're all growing and they're all areas in which uh, people who can sell into those areas are in demand. Um, the garment industry as well, I have to say, uh, that continues to grow um, and there is increasing demand for technical uh, skills in the garment industry but the one big thing we are starting to see, and I, I'd like to think this trend is going to get even stronger, um, it's technical positions in the emerging uh, sector, which is secondary processing of agricultural products is a new and growing sector. And that also is generating demand for technical people to actually operate the, uh, the factories. I mean, that's interesting, Kevin, because that's certainly one of the things that people have been talking about for a while, that secondary processing has not been happening in country and it's being exported to other countries. Perhaps for our listeners, we can delve a little bit into what that means, just as an overview. What I mean when I say secondary processing of uh, agricultural products is, is quite simple. It's, it's, and you're right, it wasn't happening here until very recently. So I'm talking about rice milling, uh, rice packaging, um, mangoes, for example, have until recently just been exported fresh. Now they're beginning to be dried, packaged and prepared to be exported in a, a more processed form. So the more of this we can see, rice and mangoes are two small examples. Well, they're not that small, really. Um, they're two examples where the value added actually is starting to happen in Cambodia. So... I think quite a lot of investors are seeing the opportunity to add value inside Cambodia. And so the processed product is exported rather than the raw product. Which obviously requires quite different skills from the workforce that are working in those areas. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And, and all of which is great for the Cambodian economy. Oh, yes. This is driving the, more importantly than just driving the economy in Phnom Penh, this is actually starting to drive the rural economy, which is uh, also very, very important. Yeah, and that is a big change because certainly we go back about 10 years. I haven't been in Phnom Penh quite as long as Kevin, but 10 years now. What we would have seen is people coming from the provinces, so some of the more agricultural, rural areas, into the city to look for work if some of those job opportunities are then available in their own provinces and in their own towns and cities, it's great. It's a great growth opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 
certainly from what we know um, and experience from Europe, which a lot of our listeners will be um, listening from Europe and America, the world of work has had a drastic change because of the pandemic. So working from home, working virtually, um, lack of being able to meet in person. Some developing countries have found that easier because all of those working practices were already in play, possibly not five days a week, but they certainly were already uh, established. So people would be working from home a day a week and they would have the skills, the equipment, the experience to do it. In Cambodia, I'm guessing that was probably not as developed as a way of working. Well, in a fast changing economy like this, one of the features of it is people are used to fast changes. Um, so actually, the change to working from home was, was just taken in our stride. Um, don't forget, this is a country where we went from no internet connection to handheld devices. Uh, we skipped landlines. A lot of people skipped PCs. So in the past 10, 15 years, there's been massive changes. So taking the uh, work from home change just happened in our stride. I think a lot of workplaces and a lot of Cambodian staff were quite happy to just take it on as another necessary change. Um, and they, like I say, they're very flexible and they're used to leapfrog growth. Um, digitalization uh, and the increase of, of digital skills as being important, um, this isn't going to go away and everybody in the market knows that. Um, and in fact, like we were just saying about the uh, processing in the province, processing uh, agricultural products outside the city, digitalization is adding to that because your office in the province can be as connected as an office in the, uh, the city. So this is all part of the great fast changes that I've seen in 10 years. And Cambodians take it on board and just move with it and are all very, very accepting of the changes because what these changes actually mean generally are improvements. Yeah, absolutely. I'd have to agree with you. The adaptability of the Cambodian workforce is quite something that I think would take people by surprise. I guess in a fastly developing uh, nation, as you say, leapfrogging technologies has been something that's been acknowledged for quite a period of time but all of a sudden the the whole community has moved to banking online doing their accounts online um all with handheld mobile devices and smartphones we have 115 percent, something like 115 percent mobile penetration which is absolutely enormous for a country um in its stage of development so it is a real credit to the cambodian workforce about their um not just their ability to adapt and change, but their willingness to adapt and change and with a big smile on their faces. Yeah, <laughs> and they accept that change is a feature of the world. So they, they accept, it's accepted that changes are going to happen because that's all we've seen in the past 10, 15 years. So sure, there's going to be more change. So nobody fights change aggressively. No, that not, just doesn't happen. And it's quite refreshing, isn't it? Certainly yeah. for, for, for Kevin and myself working here um, on a daily basis, that I'm constantly surprised about the adaptability, but also the inventive solutions that people come up to with new and existing problems. That's quite fascinating. 
So if we wanted to send a message to anybody looking to invest in Cambodia, um, either investors, startups, do you have a few pointers for, for those people? Sure. Um, yeah, over the years, my 15 years here, I met a stream of inbound startups and investors. Um, usually they've done their research and they've discovered that, you know, Cambodia has an open, liberal market economy without uh, exchange controls, which welcomes foreign investors. Um, so they already have that pleasant surprise. Um, it's not, it's very often, it's not until they arrive that they discover that um, the level of English, for example, in Cambodia is way higher than in neighboring countries. Um, and then they start to discover uh, Cambodians are open to foreign ideas. They're willing to learn. They embrace new ideas very, very quickly. Um, and in fact, then investors discover that the people applying for jobs in new and startup companies are actually coming to join them because they're looking for those innovations and those new ideas. Um, so a pleasant thing that most foreign investors discover is that uh, Cambodians have got a positive attitude to working with and for foreigners. Um, and while I talk about foreigners, um, in fact, another surprise to a lot of people is that Cambodia has relatively relaxed visa regulations, which means there's actually a lot of foreigners already in the market here. Uh, foreigners are not restricted what field they work in. Foreigners are not restricted from moving from job to job. And in fact, you discover that there's a lot of foreigners who love living and working in the country. Um, so, yeah, they discover that there's lots of opportunity. Uh, there's strong growth going on. And what we see is increased prosperity. Uh, certainly over the last 15 years, that's my experience. So it's just left for me to say thank you very much to Kevin for joining us today. Um, if anybody does want to get in touch with Kevin, you could either contact him through uh, the British Chamber of Commerce here in Cambodia, or his contact details will appear in the bio uh, along with this podcast. So do feel free to reach out. If you've got any questions about market, or you're looking at Cambodia as a startup, or looking for a local partner, looking for a local workforce, it would certainly be worth having a conversation with Kevin. He's got a wealth of experience and been here quite, quite a number of years. So today we've been speaking to Kevin Britton, the Managing Director of Top Recruitment Cambodia, and this is the DIT in Britcham, Cambodia's Doing Business in Cambodia podcast series. I'm Jane Wilding, the Executive Director of the British Chamber of Commerce here in Cambodia. Look forward to seeing you next time. Please join us for the next Doing Business in Cambodia podcast, which will be available soon. For more information on doing business in Cambodia, please contact British Chamber of Commerce Cambodia or the British Embassy Phnom Penh.